The cyber crooks of today know a hell of a lot more starting out than we did when we started our careers as cyber criminals. To put it bluntly, we didn't know shit. We learned as we went, and let me be clear, there were lots of mistakes made. Entering cyber criminals now? Well, they come in having the knowledge base at their fingertips built by people like us. They come in with a structure, the platform of organized cybercrime already in place. We didn't have any of that. We built it as we went. As such, we had to learn every single aspect of every type of online crime, and we had to learn every aspect of how to stay anonymous and how not to get caught of what's now called proper OPSEC. Guys today, well, they don't have to do any of that shit. The crooks of today can enter into a cybercrime environment and read a tutorial on proper OPSEC. They can network with others on how to commit crime. They can specialize on one specific type of crime without having to learn about any of the others. They can do all this without really having to learn much of anything. They only need to follow the already written instructions. The result is a criminal who is much like a script kitty. A lot of today's online crooks have no real clue of what they're doing. They're using off-the-shelf products and tools and following the instructions of the others who came before them. Basically, what I'm saying is, is that many of today's online criminals make the cybercrime world an idiocracy. A lot of idiots not really understanding what they're doing and just advertising for law enforcement to come on down and throw them in prison. The old school cyber thieves like me, Albert Gonzalez, Dmitry Golubov, Roman Vega, Max Butler, and others, not many of those guys around today, which is a good thing because, man, let me tell you, if they were. What's interesting is law enforcement didn't really know much back then either. They didn't understand the crimes, how to track individuals, how to set them up, or much of anything else. As a result, they had to learn everything step by step the same way the bad guys had to learn everything. As a result today, law enforcement is much better educated than they were when this stuff started. Because the foundation laid by those guys is what the new guys are using to build upon. Today, trifle with law enforcement if you want, but it likely won't end well. Back then, though, well, you gotta break a few eggs to make an omelet. Welcome to the Anglerfish Podcast, where we visit the darkest corners of our online lives. I'm your host, Brett Johnson. The United States Secret Service called me the original Internet Godfather. Now, what does it take to get a title like that? 39 felonies, a place on the United States Most Wanted list, an escape from prison, and I built the first organized cybercrime community, Shadow Crew. Shadow Crew was a precursor to today's darknet and darknet markets, and it laid the foundation for the way modern cybercrime channels still operate today. This first season of the Anglerfish podcast tells of my rise and fall as the world's first internet godfather. It's a fascinating story. You'll learn how cybercriminals think, how modern cybercrime came into being, and why it's so successful and hard to stop, and how I was able to turn from a life of crime to one of using the knowledge I acquired as a criminal to help protect others against the type of person I used to be. 
so you met originally you met the secret service people in south carolina is that right so what happens is is of course they 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 come in within 45 minutes of the investigation they take over the investigation they let me stew in the county jail for a week then two agents fly down from new jersey and they basically give me a job they say we'll get you out you can go work for us i thought they were going to get me out after a week you know, at tops, they let me sit there for 90 days, 90 days. So I sit there for 90 days, at which point they reduce my bond. I step outside. And again, I'm like, okay, I'm going to start within the next day or two working for the secret service. Well, that was another 30 days. I ended up living with Elizabeth for that 30 day interim. During that point, uh, a couple agents from Columbia, South Carolina, they drive down, they introduce themselves and we discuss how we're going to start tracking these cyber criminals. And I find out pretty quickly that they really don't understand much of anything about cybercrime. Okay. Now this was at that point. This was at this, this is, you know, 2005. Okay. And you've helped them since then learn a little bit more. Well, and that's, that's the interesting thing. And, you know, back then as a criminal, we had to learn everything. I mean everything. So if you had to learn how to run a drop, how to run credit cards, how to encode credit cards, how to fish, how every single aspect of financial cybercrime, you had to learn. We didn't know any of that bullshit. Come to find out, law enforcement, they didn't know any of that stuff. They had to learn every single step as they went along. So, we, so even back then, the criminals were in the beginning stages of the foundation of cybercrime. Same thing with law enforcement. They were in the beginning stages of building that foundation of how to investigate, how to catch these guys. So they were looking for ways to track people. So back in 2004, this was the next bad thing to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this was this was when first, you know, identity theft and credit card theft and all this stuff. It was people really didn't understand how much of a problem it was going to be. Now it is the problem. You know, now we're looking at, you know, one specific type of fraud, synthetic fraud, is $50 billion in losses. You know, you're looking at the, the fastest growing form of crime on the planet is cybercrime. And it has been that way, and it's going to continue to be that way for a while. But back then, no one really understood that. You know, we as the criminals, we knew we were stealing a lot of money. We didn't understand that it was going to change the entire way the online world worked that everyone was potentially a victim, that cybercrime was such a problem that it could actually destroy entire economies over time. Law enforcement, I'm pretty sure, didn't understand that either. They understood that it was going to be problematic, but they didn't understand the actual, you know, this is how dangerous this stuff can be. (laughs) (laughs) So when I met the Secret Service... The discussion was, well, Brett, how would you track these people? How would you find them? You're the, you're the professional. Well, no, I was the professional crook. I had very little understanding about you know, how law enforcement operates. But I'm a quick learner. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, you know, that, that was the discussion initially was, how would you track these people? And we, we settled upon trying to get them over to ICQ, trying to get them to email us um, these different techniques to capture IP addresses. And they would run the IP addresses and su- issue subpoenas, issue subpoenas on emails, email addresses, things like that. Basically, a lot of the same type of stuff they do now, but it's much more refined now. Whereas when I began, really the Secret Service agents that I was working with, they didn't really understand. They, they knew physical world crime. They didn't understand online crime. They certainly didn't understand the online criminals 
that were committing those crimes and how we are a bunch of idiots. We're smart, but by God, we don't stop. We, <laughs> we just keep on going. You don't get ahead. Huh? No, no. no I mean, that's, uh, you know, and they told me, so Albert Gonzalez, come to Johnny, the guy who was responsible for the downfall of Shadow Crew, he had already been arrested by that point. He was already working for the Secret Service. And they told me pretty quickly that he was the gentleman that came up with the entire idea of how to shut down Shadow Crew. That wasn't a law enforcement idea. It wasn't law enforcement's idea. Oh, you know what we can do is we can we can just have them run through a VPN and capture all the data. No, 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 no. That was Cumba Johnny. That was Albert Gonzalez that came up with that idea. So that that should tell you right there that as far as ideas out of the out of the vault, they didn't really have a lot of ideas floating around at that point. They were still figuring this stuff out. Now, let me tell you, these days, that has changed completely. These days, if you're going up against law enforcement, if you're online committing crime, you are already in trouble. Because, whereas the criminal side, we started out not really knowing anything and we had to learn everything as we went along. These days, the criminals... They already kind of know a lot of stuff, maybe a lot of stuff. They're better educated. Let's put it that way. So you guys did all the uh, the, the research. We uh, did. Without any kind of government grant. <laughs> uh, okay. And so now the law enforcement has taken a correspondence course through you? Well, I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you what's interesting, though. So the, the, the initial criminals, me and people like Albert and... Uh, Roman Vega and people like that, we really know the dynamics of online crime. We know most facets of it. We know how those crimes operate. We can look at a specific crime now and be able to tell where it's going, where it's trending, where, where the problems are in committing it and everything else. The problem now is that a new criminal coming in, he doesn't understand those dynamics. He comes in with a higher knowledge base because of the work that's came before him. So he comes in reading instructions, basically. He buys off-the-shelf products and tools and use and reads the direction manual on how to use them without understanding how to use them. He's just following the the, the manual. That's it. So so the new criminals are, are really much worse off than the older, experienced guys were. Now, the, the difference with that in law enforcement, law enforcement back then didn't really know anything. But the new guys coming into law enforcement, they've built on the old guy's foundation. But it's different between the good guys and the bad guys now. The good guys now, they understand. They've taken those extra classes. They understand the dynamics of cybercrime. They understand how the Internet works. They understand every single thing that the new criminals don't understand anymore. And that's a lot of the problem. Of course, that being said... There are so many criminals out there now that it becomes an issue. You can no longer arrest your way out of this problem. So while you've got law enforcement that's top tier now, now that really understands how to investigate these people, how to arrest them, how to stop cybercrime, there's so many online criminals that you cannot arrest your way out of that problem. For example, when we were shut down, Shadow Crew was shut down, we ended with 4,000 members. Alphabase shut down 2017. 240,000 members. Mm. A couple websites shut down this year. 1.15 million members. 
Why? Because that structure of cybercrime has made things so much easier. That instruction manual is out there. People can come in, not have to understand anything about the crime, buy that off-the-shelf product, follow the instructions, start stealing money without understanding it. It's easier to arrest them, but there's so many people out there now that it's just hard to arrest them all. So your experience with as uh, an employee of the United States government is began there, right? It did. It did. And, and you know, the thing is, and it took me, I am 49 years old, Ken, 49. So it took me until my late 40s to really understand that government officials, law enforcement officials, the vast majority, the vast majority, they're simply there because they want to do some good. That's it. You know, when I started working for the Secret Service, I didn't. I had never grown up in that that type of uh, environment where men bullshit with men. All right, I was raised by my mom. Um, I was raised in that that type of female environment where you're, and it was a, an abusive environment. But I I never had that rapport with other men. So when we get in there, and Brad is basically looking, not basically, he's looking at me saying, Ah, oh, you know, you were you're engaged to a whore. You know, you're going to marry a whore. Why are you dating a whore? Why are you? And this kind of stuff. Or you're going to prison. I'm going to put you in prison as soon as I can. Well, okay. Now, I'm sitting here today trying to say he was bullshitting. Maybe he was to a degree. But maybe not to a degree as well. But I took that shit personally. So, you know, and my thing is, is if you're going to insult me, I'm going to fuck you as soon as I possibly can. That became my reason, one of my reasons for continuing to break the law. Because you have, for me, I had to continually justify my crimes. So when I when I hear someone saying that, well, you know what? That's just re- that just adds flame to the fire for me, dude. That's it, fuel to it. Let's go. <laughs> so, you know, I, I start with that. Um, I think I've mentioned before. You know, I was brought in. And when I was brought in, we had we had the nice discussion. You know, this is this is it. It's only going to last three months. Um, at which point we'll we'll say some nice words for you in front of the judge. You probably won't serve much time, if any time at all. So I get down and I start working working with Brad. And it's oh no, we're, if I, if I had my way, I'd send every single one of you to prison. Well, you know what? Probably not the thing to say to me because I'm not good with authority to begin with. And that that it that was basically the the way it started out. And a lot, I think a lot of that, looking now, I think a lot of that, that's, that's the way that law enforcement handles some of these guys that are drug dealers or the low-tier guys. You know, they come in with the threats and the intimidation and everything like that. But the truth of the matter is, if you're dealing with one of these cyber criminals, one of these guys like me that kind of has a degree of Asperger's that has more more book sense than common sense a lot of the time and has a willingness to do things that other people won't do, you come in and try to intimidate me or some guy like me, that's going to backfire in your face pretty quickly. And that's exactly what ended up happening. And they were going to pay you how much to do this? So payment. The payment was $350 a week, plus it was covering rent for wherever I was living was was what I was being paid. I asked for more because of course I don't have enough sense not to ask for more. And I was basically told, "Hey, be happy that you're getting the 350." Well, that's fine. I'll be happy I'm getting the 350. 
And to be honest, it wouldn't matter if they paid me $4,000 a week. I was still going to break the law. That was the point. Uh, so it, it wouldn't matter what I was making. The, the thing was is that I was in a mindset at that point in time that I was going to continue keeping on trucking because I, I'm a big game theory guy, all right, this, this strategic decision-making idea. Um, and game theory says that, that people will act in their own rationale, that as long as you act what's reasonable to you, everything is fine. So what's reasonable to me may not be reasonable to you or to the Secret Service or anything else. At that point in time, my number one goal was to be with Elizabeth. That was it. That was the only thing I was concerned with. She was the only thing I had left. She was the thing that was most important to me in life. That was the only thing I needed. That's all I wanted. So what they didn't understand was is that, yes, I'm working for the Secret Service, but the only reason I'm working for the Secret Service is because of that girl in that apartment three miles down the road. That's it. So whatever she needs, whatever she wants, whatever it takes to be with her is exactly what I'm going to do. It has nothing to do with me catching criminals, doing the right thing, anything else. It only has to do with my relationship with her. So did you ever consider your work with the uh, Secret Service as, well, this is uh, my day job. I've got a night job. <laughs> That's... The Secret Service was my part-time work. Oh, okay. That, that was basically it. My, my real job was making sure that when I was not in the Secret Service office that I was breaking the law, either credit card theft or tax return identity fraud. That was it. That was it. So, what? of course, what happens, and I've mentioned this before, is that relationship with Elizabeth ends up falling apart. And at that point... What happens to the guy with the only reason that he was doing this shit to begin with was because of her. That goes out the window, and I start to spiral pretty quickly at that point. Um, dating, of course, I've mentioned that, dating the strippers, drinking massive amounts of alcohol, spending money, that, that just ungodly amounts of money, and trying to keep everything hidden from the Secret Service. And again, it becomes like that, that idea when Shadow Crew fell, you know, I knew the end was coming. We had text messages from the Secret Service about them investigating us. We knew we were going down, and we kept on trucking. We had that idea of fatalism coming in. Same, th same exact same thing happens with the Secret Service when I'm working with them. And just so I understand, they bring you in, and they say, well, here's your office. <laughs> <laughs> we got a wind of you. You yeah, know, overlooking the city from the second floor, and <laughs> yeah, what, what what was it? What, so you're so in Charleston, right? I, I'm no. At this point, I'm in Columbia, South Carolina. Columbia. Okay. So I'm in Columbia. Okay. So first day at work, I get there, and I'm waiting out in the, in the waiting room. It's a small little waiting room and all that. And they finally come and get me. They escort me back to Neil Dolan's office. He's the head agent in South Carolina. They escort me back there, and we have a chat. The chat is, you know, this is what you're going to do. This is our expectations. It's going to run three months. We're going to put a lot of people in prison or try to put a lot of people in prison. You're not to break the law. You're not to access the computer. You're not to blah, 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 blah. The, the rules are laid out. Escort him down to where he's working. So they take me down to basically, it's like their forensics area. It's, a, it's this big war room, this great room that um, is probably 25 feet long by 15 feet wide. At the end of that room, 
They've got a plasma monitor mounted to the wall. The plasma monitor is hooked up to a laptop computer, which is mine, that they purchased for me, ran to an outside internet line. Next to that, they have a desktop computer set up, which is for their use, that is hooked up to an outside line as well. The idea being, now I will be on my laptop. My laptop will show on the plasma monitor every single thing that I'm doing. I will be accessing these forums. We'll be tracking down individuals and finding targets that we can arrest, trying to identify these targets so they can build cases against them and arrest them. On my laptop computer, they have Camtasia and SpectrePro. Camtasia takes a snapshot of the screen every 10 seconds so they can tell what's going on visually. SpectrePro records all the keystrokes that I'm typing in constantly. All right. At the end of every night, that data is then burnt to a DVD-ROM and it's put on a spindle. All right. Okay, we're this is 15 years ago. That, yeah, it's 15 I, years. I ago. get it. Now. Yeah, okay. this is a long time ago. <laughs> so that's the information that's being put on. So I go down there and I start hooking up to my websites. You know, to all these forums and the people that I've been communicating with and haven't talked to in three months and everything else, and I start chatting with them under the screen name of Gollum Fun, which nobody has seen Gollum Fun name appear in almost a year by this point. All right, it's been a while. So, of course, the question is, is where have you been? Why are you back? Why are you back under that name knowing that the Secret Service arrested all these people in October? So there was an immediately... A lot of paranoia that was going on but the problem was is that the Gollum Fund name came with such weight that people tended to dismiss it because I was that guy and I was the only guy who got away from or, or that's what they thought who got away from that shadow crew bust so everybody was kind of happy and they were like oh that's 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 Gollum he's the man he is the man he's the only guy that got away so Secret Service in the room with me there are two agents at all times and a South Carolina law enforcement division officer, SLED. So typically three people in that room at the same with me at all times that are watching, asking questions. They're following along. They're building identities of their own on these forums and trying to arrest people at the same time. So I'm going through this stuff so fast. I mean, I've got you know 10 windows open cycling through all these forums at, at at the same time, having multiple discussions on ICQ with multiple people, everything else. <laughs> so out of the gate, out of the gate like this. So it's it's immediately, okay, slow the hell down. What are you doing? And I'm like, I'm talking, dude. This is what you want me to do. <laughs> so the the first few days was the process of me trying to slow down from my usual speed of doing this stuff and explaining every player that I'm talking to, what the skill level is of the players, who, what they do, who they sell, who they network with, where they are as far as I know, everything else like that. I'm trying to explain every single thing to them and at the same time trying to explain some of these crimes because I'm dealing with agents that had no idea the types of crimes that were being committed. At the time, I didn't even know about it. But they didn't even know who the hell I was. They just knew I was an internet criminal. They didn't know, know that I was this big upper-tier guy that actually ran all this bullshit. They were just told by their bosses, hey, he's going to be working for you. Get him doing it. And that was it. All right? So the first few days is Brett Johnson slowing things down and walking them through it, giving them a tutorial on how this shit actually operates. All right? After that kind of settles in. They're very diligent for the first couple of weeks. They're very diligent about that. 
and then things start to fall apart because they get bored. And, you know, I've said in the past, I wrote, Jesus, I wrote a, when it actually all fell apart for Brett Johnson and Brett Johnson gets sentenced to prison, I wrote a 17-page letter to the judge that tried to put all the blame on those poor Secret Service guys. And I want to be fair with it. They were poor Secret Service guys. They had no idea who they were messing with or that I was capable of screwing them over as bad as I did. And the whole time, they were becoming your friends. Oh, geez. I mean, that's the problem is knowing now, and I said this, I referenced this earlier. It took me 40-some years to get to the point where I understood that law enforcement is there to help. They don't get... They don't get sexual gratification from from locking people up. They don't. Most of them don't like that. They want to see people do good. They're there to do good. They're the best minds on the planet. That's basically giving up huge paychecks to to help people. Yep. So I met these people. I immediately start social engineering them immediately out of the gate. You know, I, I don't. I'm not there to be their friend. I'm their flunky. But by God, I'm going to make sure that if anything, if I need something in the future, that I've worked them enough that I may be able to do that. Well, let's let's take the social engineering aspect of it. Now, this is not something that you set out and say, well, I have this plan that I'm going to do with this right. guy. And if I do this, then I can probably do this. It's just something that comes natural and flows. Right. Well, that that's the thing. That's I, that's one of the reasons that we talked about my childhood so much in the past is I was... As a child, because of that abuse and everything, me and my sister, we had to know what the adults were thinking almost immediately. And we had to be able to see that change in, in, in their attitude or their thought processes without them saying anything, just the, the, the most minor things. And we also had to be able to manipulate that at a very young age, just out of survival. So we became, and I became, a social engineer as a child, as a very young child, just as a need to survive. So you're you're right. It's not something that you that you sit down and plan immediately. You you're not looking forward to okay, this is how this actually ends up. It's just out of the gate, you're immediately manipulating those people. So yeah. when I came in working for the Secret Service, it wasn't a conscious decision to try to manipulate these pr- people to try to get them on my side. It was just something I was already used to doing with every single person around me of manipulating those people to do what I wanted them to do. Playing that long game if I needed to, the short game most of the time. But what do I need to do? I need to find out who you are, what makes you tick, what your desires, what your your fears are, everything else, so that when it comes time, if I need to, I can try to persuade you to do what I want you to do, to socially engineer you. Right. at that point. And that's that's basically what social engineering is. We see a lot of uh, a lot of the guys today that that have never been criminals that that teach social engineering or explain how it works or anything else like that. And and a lot of the times they miss that idea that and you're right, it's not something that's really conscious. It's something that you that's so ingrained in you as a criminal from your childhood or whatever's caused that that you're doing it all the time immediately. Just out of the gate. You're finding out who that person is. You're getting a feel for that person that's almost immediate. And you know what it takes to manipulate that person. Right. Okay. So that's, and that's what I did with, with the agents. And they were, I, I want to be, be very clear about that. 
they were good guys. Now, certainly Brad, he, he harangued me. He harassed me. He shouldn't have done that kind of bullshit at all. He still did it. But at his core, at his core, him and Bobby, they were good guys. They were good men. They, they really wanted the best for me. The problem was is that my, my goal was not to help the Secret Service. My goal was to be with this woman three miles down the street that I was living with and engaged with and I wasn't able to marry at that time. That was my primary concern and it didn't matter what else was going on. That's the only thing on this planet that I wanted and I was going to do whatever the hell it took that I thought I needed to do to be with her. And if that meant screwing over the Secret Service, if that meant destroying uh, other criminals' lives, getting them locked up, being a snitch, whatever that meant was exactly what I was going to do. Thank you for listening to this episode of Anglerfish. I appreciate it. If you like it, please subscribe and drop me a line saying hello. Hello is always good. You can reach me direct at brettjohnson at anglerfish.com. That's brett, B-R-E-T-T, Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, at anglerfish, A-N-G-L-E-R-P-H-I-S-H.com. Please tell your friends about us. Rate and review the Anglerfish podcast wherever you can. In the next few weeks, we'll be launching Season 2 of Anglerfish, which will examine the darkest corners of our online lives and what you need to do to remain safe. Please email me questions, comments, concerns, personal stories, and any topics you might like to hear discussed. That's brettjohnson at anglerfish.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Brett Johnson. Stay safe, stay secure, and stay vigilant.